Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me once again on the Power of Plushies podcast. Uh, quick show note, I did forget to invite my guest to share her Instagram handle. So her Instagram handle is s5kindnessrocks, and you can give her a follow there. You might notice that she is a rock painting account, not a plushie account, I hope you give her a follow and enjoy this special podcast episode as we talk about grief. There has been um, large amounts of grief, especially in the past year as we're dealing with the pandemic and a lot of loss. So she courageously stepped forward and volunteered to talk about her own personal grief and loss. I hope you enjoy this special episode and that you give her a follow on S5 Kindness Rocks. Welcome to the Power of Plushies podcast hosted by me, Human, and Humphrey. Today, I am joined by a super special guest. It's not a plushie. Uh, it's actually a rock account that I follow. One of the very first accounts that I followed on Instagram, S5 Kindness Rocks. Welcome. Thank you. I'm super, super excited to have you on today. Actually, when I very first made the podcast and I was like, I don't know who to have on. Like, I don't know what this show is going to be about. I was like, hey, you should come on my show. (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of, uh, yeah. And it's taken me what, two years to find this. <laughs> now that I've heard some of your other ones, I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. It's funny too, how we met. So like, I, um, I never knew what the heck of painted rocks were or that they even existed. So how you and I met was, um, I was on a walk with my neighbor and we bumped into each other. No, I'm kidding. So <laughs> I was on a I was on a walk with my neighbor and I saw this painted rock her and I found. And I was like, what the heck is that? And I looked at it. It was so beautiful. And um I wanted to I wanted it, but I didn't want to be like greedy and take it. So I kept like I went back like five times, I think that day and no (laughs) one had taken it. And eventually I, I took the rock and, um, I went online and I looked up, there was like a hashtag on it. So I, I looked up this hashtag and I was like, oh my gosh, people are painting rocks. And what is this all about? So I kind of did a little bit of research and I found I don't know if I found your page or if I found you because of the hashtag, but somehow I found you and you had painted this rock, um, several of them that said like healing, courage, I forget what else, but they were very inspirational. And I was like, wow, I would love to find that rock. And I just kind of like threw it out there as a comment, like a positive comment on a page, just flippantly, really. And you had responded, I'll, I'd love to send it to you. I'd love to send you one. And I was like, who is this lady? And why is she being so nice to me? And 
<laughs> Who's this creeper that thinks I'm going to give you my address? Because <laughs> honestly, I was so new to the Instagram game. Like, I I had no clue. And I had zero clue what the heck these painted rocks were about. I was like, what is going on here? And at, ever since then, like, at first I was kind of reluctant. I was like, oh, I don't know. But I think it was like within a week. I had responded like, okay, cool. And you mail, you painted one special just for me that said um, healing. And you painted me a couple others to my um, super support bear and Humphrey, little tiny ones for Humphrey. And um, you sent them to me and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. Anyway, I started painting rocks too. And the rest is history. Now I have like a rock garden and I'm the crazy rock lady. But um, yeah, I'm the crazy plushy lady. <laughs> so <laughs> we ended up becoming friends and we communicate regularly. Um, but wow. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, how you meet somebody just per chance. And and I remember texting or DMing you and... Um, telling you I'm, I'm going to paint one for you and I'm just going to hold it here at my house for you and when or if you're ever ready to trust somebody enough to give them your address um, you know it's going to be here waiting for you so you know that was totally up to you because I know at that point you were pretty new to reaching out to people at all on Instagram yeah. and um, you know after your ordeal I don't even know how you trust anymore so you know good for you for, for trusting because that's an easy thing to lose. Well, honestly, I and I tell you this all the time, you were a huge part of my healing. And it it's funny because that was the rock you sent me, which it's so weird, but you really were. You were such a huge part of my um of my journey. So I really appreciate you and your friendship. Well, that's that's where kindness rocks, you know, is that's that's the high we get from painting kindness rocks because 90 percent of the rocks you leave out you don't know what happens to them you hope someone found it and liked it and it made their day or maybe the message resonated with them but you know the the one percent that we know either where they went or who found them or whatever is kind of what keeps you doing it because they do make a difference oh huge well so i was looking back at your account and looks like you kind of started your your account back in um March 2019 that was your first post and oh my gosh like a year later literally like a year later we were in a global pandemic can you <laughs> believe that <laughs> It seems like so long ago. I mean, I feel like I've been painting rocks forever, but really it hasn't been that long. And the way it all changed the minute the pandemic hit, because I mean, who wants to pick up a rock in the middle of a pandemic? Someone might've touched that rock. Yeah. There might be there might be coronavirus germs on that rock. <laughs> yeah, so, especially in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So the rock painting community kind of stopped hiding rocks or some people did, or they put them in baggies or something like that to make it you know, seem like this is a sanitized rock, but it really did change the whole progression of how I 
what I do with my painted rocks because mm -hmm. I don't just, you know, I haven't been for the last year and a half so much leaving them out just for people to find. Um, yeah. I've been painting them for either certain charities. There's, there's some people that um, have their rocks going to um, convalescent homes or cancer hospitals, things like that. So I'll send them a box of rocks or you know, some people ask for special requests and I'll do that. And I don't charge for rocks. I just paint them for fun and I'm happy to send them to people. So it really mm -hmm. did change everything. And it actually, you know, because of the anxiety of the pandemic, painting rocks is kind of a nice outlet too, because you, for, you forget about the anxiety of being out in the real world because you're just inside your own little space painting and it's safe. So yeah, yeah. Stupid pandemic. <laughs> That's how it, yeah, <laughs> we're all sick of it. <laughs> well, today we're gonna talk. Um, I really appreciate you coming on to talk today because we're gonna talk about a a special topic, a little bit difficult. We're gonna be talking about grief, and I think it's a little a little fair to say that your rocks have helped you with that too. Um, but you lost, you lost your, your parents. Um, and it, it's been pretty hard on you. So why don't we just start out by, um, talk, you can tell me a little bit about your parents. Talk to me about who they were to you. Um, I have always said that I grew up in a leave it to beaver episode. And people from around the world might not know what that is, but the basic, most wholesome, two parents, dad works, mom stays home, three kids, you know, neighborhood full of kids you play with until dark. I mean, I, I had that kind of childhood. Yeah. Uh, my, my parents both left their hometowns and came to California. So I didn't have aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas. I mean, I just had my parents and my brother and sister, and that's all we had out here. Um, so, I mean, we were, we're, we're tight. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, and it was, I can't think of a single thing. I mean, I honestly can't think of a single thing I did not like about my childhood growing up. My mother is just loving, generous, caring, talented. My father was the nice, I mean, the, if you ask anybody about my father, the first words out of him is he's the nicest guy. I, I don't ever remember him raising his voice at me. Well, I do remember one time I put the cat on his desk when he was working and he got a little <laughs> miffed at me. That is the only thing I remember in my entire 55 plus years of my dad ever even having a hint of getting miffed at me. So, I mean, he was just the most easygoing, nicest guy that would help anyone do anything. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a good, good childhood, good adulthood. Um, when I got married to my husband, we went looking for houses and bought a house like two thirds of a mile from my parents. So I'm in the same area that I grew up in two thirds of a, you know, just a quick walk to my parents' house. So, you know, when we started having kids, we would take the kids in the stroller for a walk in the evenings and go visit my parents. So, I mean, they were super, 
super happy to be grandparents. And, you know, my first daughter was like the center of the universe. Um, so my brother and sister did not have kids. So it was just me. And then, you know, my, the first one was born and she was, she was the only one for nine and a half years. So, um, she, she was pretty much the center of the universe and just holidays and birthdays and, oh, and big surprise. She was born on my dad's birthday. So oh. she, she shared that with him. So that <laughs> extra was extra connection. Yeah. That was always her connection to grandpa was they shared their birthday. So, you know, that was birth. The birthday celebration was always a big deal. Um, and then the other two were born and, you know, we take walks and my youngest daughter actually was born the day after his birthday. So it was always a three-way party after that. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. And my middle one is born on Christmas. So, you know, there's, yeah. <laughs> we, we apparently just have babies on special days. So, yeah, that is really cool. But yeah, I mean, they were the greatest, most loving, most giving, wonderful parents ever. It's very, um, idyllic your childhood and and your upbringing it's something that many people just dream of <laughs> and I never realized that I mean that was just how it was to me and I yeah. didn't realize until I'm getting older that and talking to other people that don't have that or didn't have that and I'm thinking yeah wow I I had no idea I had no yeah. idea that everyone didn't have just a wonderful upbringing I was super sheltered I think in that fact yeah so um why don't you talk to me about about how it kind of started in in losing them um I mean my mom hadn't felt well for a few years and she'd go to this doctor or that doctor which and she hated going to the doctors so this was a big deal um, okay she finally got a diagnosis from a um, hematology oncologist that she had MDS, which is a, basically a blood cancer. Um, so there was dealing with that and she was getting more and more just staying at home because she just didn't feel well and didn't have the energy. And, um, and I started going to appointments with her just because my dad nicest guy in the world, but super soft-spoken. And I thought, you know, an, an extra person at doctor's appointments would be good. And I'm kind of weirdly medical and that I like all things medical. And so, um, I started helping go to those and be the extra set of ears. And, um, then all of a sudden one day she called me. I, I remember, I remember very clearly I was making spaghetti. So I was chopping up some vegetables to make sauce. And, um, my mom called me and said that my dad wasn't feeling well. And for her to call and say that, cause my dad didn't complain about anything. So yeah. if she called me to say, he's not feeling well, there's something wrong. That's, it's like huge warning bells going off. So I rushed over there and, um, you know, within five minutes I was calling 911 and, um, initially I just thought it was his blood pressure. He had just had his blood pressure medication changed they were trying to dial it in and so I thought well, it's probably just his blood pressure but you know something's not right and we took him to the hospital and of course they don't let me back in the room initially so I am just pacing back and forth and back and forth in this waiting room I mean just anxious as I'll get out yeah and I think the security guard finally just 
threw me a bone and said, I'll go back and see what I can find out. And thank goodness he did because then someone came out to get me and let me be with him. And they found out that he had an aortic aneurysm and um, took him back for a scan. And, you know, even still, okay, they know what it is. So now they can fix it. So, I mean, the thought of losing my dad was not even in my thought process at all. Cause I mean, I can't lose my dad. He's the greatest man in the world. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, I had never had loss like that before. So I didn't even know what to be afraid of, but, um, you know, after he got back from his scan and he started looking a little worse and my mom, I left my mom at home cause she was not able to get out and about very easily, but I called my sister and she went and got my mom and somehow found a wheelchair to get her back and, so my sister and my mom were back in the emergency room with him. And um, I don't think him dying was ever on our minds. I mean, my mom was the one who was dying, not my dad. So, yeah. so you know, none of us were treating it like we need to say our last words to him or anything. Mm -hmm. um, and before they got there, I was kind of joking with him. Because my dad's a total jokester. I was joking with him. You're like, I'm like, you know, whatever you do, do not go to that light. You know, I, that's not okay. Stay out of the light. And just joking with him, not even thinking that was going to be a thing that night. But um, so uh, all of a sudden he just started looking worse and worse. And then I could tell something was really wrong and they had to start CPR. Apparently the aneurysm burst and they started CPR and they were probably trying to revive him for half an hour or more. And um, we're just waiting outside the curtain, kind of peeking in now and then, watching them pump my dad. Um, and they finally came out and said, you know, we, we can keep going, but we're not going to get him back. So we need you to tell us if you want to stop. And even then, it's like the enormity of what that means doesn't even cross your mind. I mean, you're just in shock. So, I mean, I had my head about me and I knew I didn't want my dad to keep going through that. And so we, and my mom is just looking at us with these eyes, like she doesn't know what to do. So, um, my sister and I told her, you know, it's, it's time to stop. So, you know, within an instant, my dad is just gone. And, and it, and it took a while. It's like, I did, my brain could not process that. It's just, um, how do you, how do you process that? <laughs> the dad you watched football with the day before is not here anymore. So, um, you know, we went and after he was gone, said our goodbyes to him and I broke down in the ER and, um, you know, they take us to this little room where I guess people with with uh, deceased patients get to spend some time digesting that information. And, and then it's just like, okay, well here, sign this paper and go home. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? So, um, so yeah, I had to walk out to my car and in the parking structure and get to the parking guy and had to, find my credit card to actually pay for them to let me go home without my dad. And that was, that still, that still really, really bothers me that 
I mean, do, <laughs> and I'm sure that the hospital has never thought about it. And it's actually something I'm thinking about maybe going in and talking to management. It's like when someone loses someone to have to pay to get out of the parking structure so you can go home without your loved one is really just a slap in the face. Yeah. That was really hard. That parking structure still, I, I will still have PTSD driving past that parking structure at night. Yeah. Because it just takes me back to that night. So I could only imagine like the, I mean, having any kind of unnecessary human interaction and having to like, like you said, dig through your, your purse for a credit card. It's probably the last thing you should be doing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, the words, Oh, how was your night going or have a nice night or something like that. It's like, don't, don't, don't. Just, yeah. I don't, I don't need that interaction. Don't tell me to have a nice night. And, and don't me, need any... me being me probably said, thank you. Or, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's such an indignity to have to pay to go home without your daddy. Yeah. But. Um, after your dad passed, you were, like you said, you didn't think your dad was dying. Your mom was dying. Yeah. He was the last person. Right. That was, you weren't expecting that. It was complete shock. Yeah. I mean, we were wrapping our minds around the fact, because my mom had just told me probably a month before that the doctor actually did put a, for better words, time limit, you know, gave her how long she probably had to, to live. So, I mean, we we're wrapping our brains around losing our mom, mm -hmm. which I don't think you can actually wrap your brain around because until it happens, I mean, you don't know, you don't yeah. know oh, your life is going to change until it happens. But, you know, so we were readying ourselves for that and to have this happen out of the blue is just crazy. But yeah, so we went back to her house and just stayed the night there. And, um, from, from that moment on, it was my brother, my sister, and me helping take care of my mom. So we just kind of made a schedule. I'm the one who lived the closest, and I'm the medical one of the family. No training, by the way, but it's just, yeah. you know, I'm just, I just have always liked medical stuff. So, you know, I was, and I was the one who went to appointments with her. So I knew more about her condition. So a lot of it fell on me. Um, but we did, the, the three of us made out schedules eventually whereas you know we would take turns to give each other a break because it is caretaking is hard caretaking yeah. mentally physically emotionally i mean it is just exhausting so um i was so incredibly blessed that i had my brother and sister step up because i honestly wasn't sure at the beginning because i was the one who lived near my parents i'm the one who was probably closest to the situation, I thought it was all, all going to fall on me. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it didn't was such a gift that I was able to pass that off now and then. And, and, you know, you recoup some of your sanity on your day off and then you go back at it. Yeah. So, so yeah, we took, took care of her for six months and 19 days. And then, uh, and then she, finally decided she was ready for hospice and I mean she was really ready for hospice because within two days she was gone oh wow so um and uh that was supposed to be a weekend that I was going up to my husband's race he races 
Porsches. And uh, so I was away at his race and my mom, you know, my mom knew it. my brother and sister, like, go, go, you haven't, you know, had any time to yourself. And so it, it was supposed to be kind of a weekend away. And right before I left, my mom's like, I think I'm ready for hospice. So I was literally on the car phone with hospice on my way driving to the race and setting it up because I kind of thought it would take a while to set up. I didn't know anything about hospice. And within within that day, they were already at the house. And so my brother and sister were kind of, you know, settling in with what all is involved with hospice care and the medications and, you know, the morphine and everything. And still, I mean, I didn't know it'd be such a quick process. And I got a call that night and my brother's kind of like, you know, she's looking like she might go and, and it's up to you whether you want to come home or not. And so I stayed the night at the race and then was going to go home the next morning. And then he said, oh, I don't know, maybe she's looking better. Hold off for a little while. And then later that afternoon, he's like, yeah, if you're planning to come home, you should probably come home now. And so I rushed home and um, she was on the couch. That was her, that was her place was just on the couch laying down. Um, and I remember she was coherent enough. I mean, she was very sedated, but she was coherent when I got there and she looked at me and she's like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be at your race. And, uh, you know, I just told her I'd, I'd rather be here. And I just looked at her and, um, held her hand and I just said thank you for being my mommy and she looked back at me and with the sweetest eye she said thank you for being my daughter and that those were the last words I said to her you know that weren't with her under sedation and I cherished those words and I cherished that sentence so she knew I mean she knew she knew how much I loved her and I know how much she loved me. There was never any doubt ever throughout my entire life yeah. that my parents loved me. And, and the words, I love you, weren't bandied about in our house. It, it was like, it wasn't necessary. We knew, everybody knew. It wasn't yeah. like big, you hug everybody and say, I love you all the time. It just, we weren't that kind of family. I mean, we turned into that as people start dying, I guess. But um, the, those sweet words, I cherish. That, that that was the last thing she said to me was thank you for being my daughter. So um, then she, she passed away that night and I, I could tell she was going. And so I was with her and I was holding her hand and, and just talking to her and telling her that daddy's waiting for you. It's okay to go. Daddy's waiting for you. He's there. And I watched her take her last breath and this incredible, peace just flooded her face and I know that was her soul leaving her body and it was just so peaceful when she when she left that I that I mean that's an image I'll never get out of my head either so I mean while it's hard harder than anything to watch your parent die and I had to watch two parents die in six months time but um you know, it's an honor to have been there for her last breath and also the hardest thing that I've had to do. So, you know, it's a, it's, it, it was tough. It was tough living or lo losing the, 
the two people who made you, the two people who made this family. I mean, it was, it'll never be the same. This family is never going to be the same. And I don't, I don't know how I try so hard to try to figure out what to do for holidays and everything now. And I just can't figure it out. Yeah. How you have holidays without the two most important people of this family. It's just so different. We've so. actually talked about that before, you and I. Yeah, I mean, people have suggestions of this and that. It's like, yeah, that, that won't work. That will work. I, 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 I can't figure out. There's no, there's no way to. It's different I, because you've had such, um, because they left such a massive hole, I think. Yeah. I mean, holidays, Christmas, and all holidays, actually, holidays, birthdays, hmm. were somebody getting my dad to laugh. And my dad had this infectious giggle. And when he got going, he could not get, he could not stop. His face would turn red. He would be holding his sides and he couldn't stop. And that, I mean, oh, the, rest that's adorable. Just, the rest of us are just dying because he's laughing so hard. It makes us laugh. And, you know, that's just gone forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so that that will never be part of our holidays anymore. Um, my mom, she, I told you she was really talented. She was crafty. And she made the most beautiful, beautiful wrapped presents at Christmas time. And I did not inherit that from her because I, I throw some paper on mine. I don't even use bows. It's like the kids are just <laughs> going to rip off the paper. <laughs> and, um, you know, so her first, the first Christmas she was gone, I tried. So I went and bought beautiful paper and I bought this beautiful ribbon and I tried so hard. And I, I think I spent an hour, hour and a half trying to wrap this one box as with as much love as she put into hers. I mean, just the wrap, she just put love into things. And uh, I did a pretty good job. It took me yeah. an hour and a half, but I did a pretty good job. And so I laid it under the Christmas tree. And my mom always, my parents, but my mom always gave my kids a hundred dollar check for Christmas. So that Christmas I put three $100 checks in that beautiful box and, um, from my parents and I think every Christmas since I I will and in the future I will probably always give my kids an extra hundred dollar check in my parents honor oh that is so sweet but yeah I mean just it's those little things that are just gone they'll they'll it's never gonna be the same and and I mean I know life changes and you have to adjust and you can't look back and blah 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 but you know those were those were the important, those little things were the important part. I don't, I can't tell you what I got for Christmas on, you know, whatever given day, but I can tell you my dad cracked up and my, yeah. and my mom wrapped it beautifully. But, you know, so those are the things you remember that are just lost forever. And thank goodness we have our memories of them, but you know, how do, how do I, how do I do Christmas after that? I mean, that's just something I've been trying to figure out for four years now. Yeah. Trying to make my own traditions or whatever. And it just always comes up short. So that's what I, I struggle with holidays probably the most now mm-hmm. and get extreme holiday anxiety. I mean, the minute Halloween was over, I start with the, the anxiety about holidays because I just don't know what to do. 
So anyway, I, no, <laughs> I remember. I remember talking to you about that last year, actually. And I, and I remember you having anxiety about that last year too, which I think is normal when you lose somebody, having the anxiety at the holiday time or the sadness at the holiday time. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just losing them. It was losing everything that came with them. You know, it, it was, I don't know. They were a package deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, who knew they were the, they were the glue they yeah. were that held the holidays together. They were the only reason my brother would come home for a holiday I mean, he's a, he's a traveler now. He and his wife are retired and they're traveling all the time. And yeah. so, but he would come home for the holidays and it's because of my parents. Cause you know, now I don't think I've seen him in the last two holidays, even though we got closer, you know, while taking care of my mother, he is now back to having his own life, understandably and traveling and yeah. stuff. So, you know, him coming home for the holidays is not a given. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my sister is always a given. I mean, she and I are really close, but you know, it, it's not the same and it's not the same. I mean, children are growing up now, so it, you don't have that fun kid stuff going on, you know, for the holidays. So, you know, that's been hard to watching your kids grow up and yeah, back her a gift card now <laughs> instead of going to Toys R Us and buying things. So. Yeah. What the heck? I know. <laughs> yeah. Come on guys get some toys <laughs> so, so um let's shift gears just a little bit and i <laughs> i re- well i it kind of all ties together so um we're not entirely shifting gears but it kind of comes full circle so why don't you tell me a little bit about um how you discovered rock painting um I had an Instagram account because like a year before I think maybe not even a year but before my parents died someone bet me that I couldn't open an Instagram account and not post 20 times in a year because I would just get hooked on it and I'd be posting all the time and and I'm like (laughs) no No, it's not my thing. I guarantee you, I will not post 20 times. So I opened an Instagram account, just a private account. And uh, I won that bet because I think I only posted maybe 10 times in in the whole year. That's amazing. I won that bet. (laughs) But in scrolling Instagram after my parents died, for whatever reason, a, a rock painted by the Kindness Rocks, by Megan Murphy of the Kindness Rocks Project came across my feed. And so... You know, I kind of looked into her page and see what it's all about. And that's how I discovered rock painting. I didn't know it was a thing either. Like you, it's like, what, huh? Yeah, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) And I've always loved rocks. You should see my landscaping at my house. I mean, it is all rocks. So yeah, I've gotten the privilege of seeing (laughs) your landscaping. Yeah. So it is rock heaven. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so I'm like, oh, that, that looks fun. And I've always been artsy and, you know, I, I've always been craftsy with my kids. So I had paint, I had brushes and I just uh, decided, Hey, I'll give this a try and really enjoyed it. And it's such a good way to get out of your own head. Yeah. You know, you don't, you're not thinking about grief. You're not thinking about 
holidays unless of course you're painting a holiday rock but uh, you know you're not <laughs> thinking about anxiety you're just thinking about what you're painting and you know true artists just get lost in what they're doing and the whole world ceases to exist outside of what you're doing so um it was a really good way to get out of my head and out of my own grief to yeah. start painting rocks and um yeah just kind of grew from there and you know the, it's not just painting rocks but it's the kindness rocks project that that i liked you know you paint rocks with messages that maybe people will will pick up and it's like that's what they needed to hear that day like i needed that yeah yeah so um that was part of it it's like throwing kindness out into the world and getting out of my own head that's what drew me to you was your rock with the message and i was like oh my gosh i needed that little kindness message and it was it was because of that that i wanted to start painting and i now I paint both rocks and kindness cards because some places I don't have the opportunity to pass out rocks, so I pass out cards. Um, and those are so beautiful. I am so lucky to have been gifted oh, a whole pack of those. <laughs> I love passing out cards. They're so much fun to paint. And um, instead of using acrylic, then I'll use usually watercolor gouache and... Um, I really enjoy it. I do. It's it's super fun. And it's just a great way to say, keep going. Like, don't give up. Honestly, you're beautiful. You're worthy. You matter. Yeah. You know, your soul is a light for the world, whatever your message needs to be. But I, for me, it's a way to uh, write a message that really I need to hear. And I love that about Megan Murphy, how she says, she's writing messages that she needs for herself mm -hmm. and then she puts them out there that was so crazy healing for me to write a message on a rock or on a piece of paper and then throw it out there in the world and hope just pray that it lands to the right person that they got that at the right time and maybe it will change their life you never know yeah yeah, especially, I mean, like the You Matter movement and the, and the oh, colon thing. I mean, huge. If that, if that got to the right person at just the right time, that literally does and can save a life. Yes. So, it, yeah. 100%. The hardest, the hardest part is not knowing. And you just have to trust that a rock you put, you know, because 99% of the rocks, you don't know what happens to them. And you just have to trust that it made it to someone who it mattered to yeah and a lot of my rocks I mean I, I have humorous rocks because sometimes someone just needs a reason to smile or a little reason to have a, a little chuckle for a split second in the day so actually yeah I completely agree like there you I was gonna say that you have a super distinct style and you are very wholesome which I love I love like the clean humor yeah, you're I'm not a big potty mouth person. <laughs> yeah, no, you're funny, but you're very clean, which I love. Um, and it does. Like, sometimes you just need to laugh because maybe you were crying or maybe you were sad. So sometimes it is good to be funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, there might just be something pretty. Not even, you know, a joke or anything. Sometimes it's just something pretty. Sometimes just finding 
a pretty rock just makes you happy. So it doesn't always have to be about a certain, you know, long message. It just has to be about caring and, you know, making someone have a, a couple of seconds in their day where they feel like somebody thought about them. It's just such a nice random act of kindness. It's like a little gift because you can say, oh, this rock has no value. It's a rock. I can get a rock anywhere. But the fact of the matter is somebody, you know, went to the store, bought paint, sat down, spent how long painting that rock? They Time is money. And they spent Mm -hmm. their precious time sitting down praying that that rock would hit would you know land at your feet that you would find that rock and that you would be blessed and so I think that uh, it's you can't say that it has no value to me those rocks are priceless yeah and actually unpainted rocks are priceless because I have always loved rocks (laughs) Me That's too. Why my landscaping is all rocks. I love rocks. I mean, they're just so interesting and there's so many fun patterns and colors. I've always loved rocks, whether they're painted or not. So my family jokes, they're like, oh, Lizzie's walking down a dirt road. Everyone is going to be on this road for like hours now because she'll be there with her head down. And <laughs> I would walk down dirt roads for hours just with my head down, looking at rocks and admiring them. And everybody would just in my family just knew that was my thing ever since I was a little girl was looking for rocks. That's funny because that's my youngest daughter too. It wasn't just rocks. It was anything, anything shiny or interesting. She always had her head down and she would find treasures and she's 25 now. And we've got this big bottle, this huge like bottle that those big giant cheese puffs come in from Costco. Um, (laughs) And it's full of the treasures she found throughout her whole life. Because if she was looking down, there was something she was going to find. Yeah. And don't, and don't tell her this, but we used to plant some of them. You know, one of us oh. would go ahead of time and put something pretty so she would always have something pretty to find. But... Oh, that is so sweet. <laughs> See, but... you are a Leave it to Beaver family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the raising I had as a kid, I tried to give my kids that same feeling of home. Yeah. You know? and, and it's different because this world is just different now. Yeah. Um, but I, I tried to always make home just that warm, fuzzy, safe place. I love I hope, it. I hope I did. You know, I think I, you did. I asked them, but <laughs> I mean, I haven't met your daughters, but I've seen some of their talent and oh my gosh, they are beautiful, wonderful kids. So, so I've been going over your account um, before the podcast and you have so many rocks dedicated to your parents, which is why I said this kind of, it kind of goes back full circle. So we're talking yeah. about the grief and I wasn't trying to like um, get off topic of your parents. You really do dedicate a lot of rocks to them and you place them on their, their cemetery. Um, you paint rocks, you know, just with little cute sayings that, you guys had like little inside jokes or whatever. Um, but one rock that really struck me that 
it just impacted me so much was it said, what is grief if not love preserving? Persevering. Persevering. Sorry. <laughs> what is what is grief? Oh, I hope if, I spelled it right on the rock. <laughs> if not um, persevering. Sorry, yeah. you probably did. I probably just <laughs> said it wrong. Sorry. Why yeah. don't you why don't you talk to me about that? That one came from the strangest place. That's that saying. Um, I was watching on on Disney Plus WandaVision, which and I'm not even I'm not even a comic book person. I'm not I'm not even sure what the characters are that are in that show. I just thought, oh, everyone's talking about it, I'll give it a try. So we, you know, we were watching it and honestly, I don't even remember what happened in the show. I just remember that line that the main character said. And and it was totally heartfelt. It's like, what is grief? if not love persevering and that just struck me instantly i got up and i wrote it down and i think my way of looking at grief changed in that in that moment because before that grief to me was sadness mm. my my grief was something that ripped me apart it was sad and when but when you think about it the reason that I have such profound grief over my parents is because there was such profound love. Mm -hmm. So the grief you feel is just the love that you had in your heart for them. And, you know, it's the love persevering in your heart that makes you grieve. So it really turned my thinking around in the way I look at grief now. And I grieve so hard because I loved so hard. And um, that's not to say that I, I'm not sad still about it because there, there are moments, there's PTSD moments that, you know, I, I can still break down and, you know, be crumbled on the floor. Yeah. But I, I can also easy, more easily, and I think with time too, it helps more easily look back with smiles about mm -hmm. what I had, not what I lost. Yeah. So that 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 just really you know that particular sentence really did change my thinking about grief so that no that one was like amazing for me too when I saw it I was like oh my gosh and you I'm sure you spelled it right I just like I said <laughs> I need my no you did well, I, I think was... I put that one out in the world so I mean you know hopefully it's it, like it was, I said I'm sitting here anyway. trying to get my reading glasses <laughs> I'm no. like um <laughs> I mean, if you Correct. think that, that kind of means the same thing anyway, preserving something. Yeah, it does. But, um, yeah, so it, it gets easier over time. And, and, and people say that, and, and it's not to mean that you've forgotten anything or that your loss isn't as great or that eventually you get back to normal. There's just a different normal now. There will never be back to normal. Yeah. Um. Which is funny that you say that because everyone is now with the pandemic, everyone is talking about the new normal. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. I mean, there will always, just like with 9-11, there was the day before 9-11 and then there's the world after 9-11. And yeah. that's the same with this pandemic. There is going to be the world before the pandemic and the new world after the pandemic because there's mm -hmm. no going back to what we were. And it's the same. I think it's fair to say it's the same with losing someone yeah there's gonna be a new normal and 
it might not be, you know, how it used to be, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, I just have to find out a way to like the new normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if I could or, change. Or things to like in it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say that my life sucks now. I mean, because it doesn't. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I have a very blessed life. I, yeah. I am grateful for everything I have and always have been. And I mean, losing your parents is a part of the naturalness of life. I mean, if you think about it, it happened in the way it should. You should lose your parents. Yeah. Because parents should never lose their kids. That's just, that's an unnatural progression of things that sadly happens. But, you know, I, I can't sit there and say that my loss is so profound or more than anybody else's and I'm grateful that I had my parents for the 55 years I did and I'm grateful they didn't have to live through this pandemic oh uh, they both yeah before the pandemic um, yeah I mean there's just there's so much to be grateful for now but there there is things missing and it's never going to be the same you know, my yeah. kids are never going to be little again. My parents are never going to be here again. I mean, life changes. And that's probably, that's probably what I need to write on a kindness rock. So somehow get my <laughs> brain around the fact that you need to accept change because that's difficult for me. Yeah. Change and, uh, happens. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think it's fair to say that your painting is helping you with your grieving process? Absolutely. Initially it did. Um, it got me out of my head because my head was always there a hundred percent of the time in the grieving process in the beginning. Um, my head is not always a hundred percent in the grieving process anymore. Mm -hmm. And now I paint for me, for the, I like the creativity. I like what it brings out in me. I like that. It's just, it's something that And God-given talent is way, way overstating it. But, you know, it's it's just something. I, that... think, I think that's not overstating it, <laughs> no. actually. I completely disagree with that because I think you should say it's a God-given talent. I was actually um, recently reading about, I don't remember what it was, but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you should say God-given talent. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also need a rock that says stop comparing yourself to others because yes <laughs> when I see others work it's like oh my gosh yeah compare but um the but talents, yeah, I need, the talents I need that we have are divine and <laughs> it doesn't matter you know where, what they are but we have a light inside of us and we should let it shine so yeah. but so so yeah the, I mean the, the rock painting is is more for me now I know yeah. I still paint some for my parents for my parents cemetery stone and um for their birthdays or for christmas or whatever so i still paint some for them but i the bulk of my painting is not for them it's it started because of them but it is not for them anymore it is for me mm -hmm. do you keep some of the rocks that you painted for them oh i keep all the rocks i because i only leave one for each of them so there's two rocks on their stone at any given time and so I trade them out okay and I just carry them you know I've got a bag that I take to the cemetery you know with all the, the 
paintbrushes and you know, rags and everything to clean off their spot. And um, I just keep them all with me and just kind of trade them back and forth now and then. So yeah, oh. I've got them all. Very cool. So. so why don't you tell me a little bit about um, your friends that you've made in this community? Um, well, aside from you, obviously. <laughs> um, it, it's funny because just like you was starting internet, I had no idea yeah that, that um communities exist i thought i thought you just scroll instagram and there's just a bunch of random stuff and you either like it or you don't whatever i didn't realize there was full-on communities of people right and just like the plushy community is just a community of support and kindness and just love the kindness rock community is that way as well we yeah. all support each other we share ideas um when I first started painting rocks, I was always embarrassed to kind of copy or, or, I mean, in the beginning, it was probably just basically copying other people's ideas because I didn't have my own at, at the beginning. Um, but that's, and I was so surprised to find out that it's okay that people want you to take their ideas and paint a rock. And yeah. in, so the whole community, the whole community really surprised me that there's just this huge support and everyone's cheering each other on. And through that, you know, there's, there's some people that follow you that are commenters. I'm a commenter. So, I mean, you know, I comment on people's stuff all the time. There are certain people that comment on mine all the time and they've just become friends. You just start through their comments, you know, start out kind of innocuous, just general kindness comments, but then you'll DM them something or, you know, you start end up talking about your life with them or whatever. So yeah, you make these these real connections and these real friendships through a painted rock on an Instagram, and you know, just a kind comment, and it just kind of goes from there and just snowballs with some people. You can you can just tell. You know, some people you just click with. I completely get that. I'm a commenter too. Yeah. And I think you've been very successful in the community. You've made a lot of friends. You've got a lot of followers and I yeah, think I people really like your work. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why that happened or, you know, it just kind of slowly built and I didn't know anything about an algorithm or, you know, all the IG BS. Yeah. I, I guess just, you know, when you comment on people's, stuff and it pops up on someone else who follows them or, you know it just yeah it just kind of grows organically and yeah. I don't know I got so many followers but but I do I started Snoopy Saturday so that that nabbed a few people that come on Saturdays specifically you know to look at Snoopy Saturday but um yeah I love I, your Snoopy Saturdays <laughs> he's so cute all your Snoopy rocks I'm just like oh my gosh <laughs> they're fun and I actually selfishly do not just put those out into the world because I mean I I am a slow rock painter yeah so I put I probably have a couple of hours in just a simple Snoopy rock that someone else could paint in 30 minutes it probably takes me a couple of hours I'm super super specific and super anal about getting everything just right and and uh, I'm kind of a perfectionist so it takes me a long time and um but I don't just put those out in the world. I, I reserve those for 
either people who a lot of times someone who will just comment and say this one just knocks my socks off and i'll dm them and say i'll send it to you um so those those are reserved for special occasions but um but yeah. they're they're fun they, sometimes it gets stressful though because i'll be painting friday night because i forgot to paint a snoopy saturday rock <laughs> You're like, oh, no. Oh, crap. Do you have your Snoopy rock ready for tomorrow? I actually painted it early this week. I painted it on Wednesday. So, yes, I do. Okay. (laughs) It doesn't happen that way that often, but yes. Oh, that's cute. I have a Snoopy rock from you. Yeah. Yeah. You. you (laughs) What's that? That's because you're special. (laughs) So are you. So why don't you tell me something that um, painting taught you? Something good and deep. <laughs> oh, something good and deep. Um, yeah. Not so much taught me as as challenges me. Um, because I, I am not a super determined person I'm not a super go out there and conquer the world kind of person so I tend to get complacent in what I'm good at or what what feels safe yeah so painting rocks sometimes I'll get um motivated by either something I see in the world or you know someone else's rock or whatever and it challenges me to get out of my box yeah um and try something new and I have to, I really have to force myself to, to challenge myself. I, I actually have to really psych myself up to try something new that I haven't done before for fear of failure. I mean, that's, and it's stupid. It's a rock. You can, you can either, you know, sand it off and start over. What I don't know. I don't know why I'm so afraid of quote failure. And that's not even the right word. But um, so it, it really does push me to challenge my artistic abilities, mm-hmm. which in turn, I think, just helps with your mindset in, in life in general to, to challenge yourself and not just get complacent with what you know, but go an extra step into the unknown of something that might feel scary or unfamiliar. It might be okay. You know, and if it's not okay, or if it doesn't turn out how you wanted it, that's okay too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's okay to try things and maybe either not like them or not do well at them. It's all part of the process. It's all part of learning. It's all part of life. So I think, you know, just challenging myself to try new things and, you know, the perfectionist in me fights against that sometimes, but, um, you know. I'm working on it. I completely get it. Yeah. This is a little bit um, about this, this and the last question that I asked you, but, you know, just challenging yourself and trying new things and talking about how um, nobody really gets mad about you copying um, artwork it's a great place to challenge yourself because you might see something that, you know, somebody else has made. And so I'm not an artist at all by (laughs) trait. Like I just started since I found your rock. I was like, Oh, 
or, a, you know, the rock in my community. And then your account is like, all right, I'm going to try this painting thing. I've never done it before, whatever. And it's hard when you first start out because you don't necessarily have your own ideas. Right. And so it is much easier to like maybe mimic um, or draw inspiration from other people. And I feel like the rock community is a very safe place because, um, for instance, one of my first rocks that I wanted to paint was like this balloon dog. And I think, yeah, yeah, and I think it was just kind of like someone just decided to paint a balloon dog. And I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so cute. I want to paint it too. But I didn't know if I would get like flack or people would get mad because I painted what they painted. And instead of people being like, oh my God, that's not your idea. Mm -hmm. Everybody was super supportive and they were like, oh, that's so cute. Yeah, I saw so-and-so painting these too. Or that's adorable. Um, It was not competitive. It was very just inclusive, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, I was that way when I kind of copied my first one too I was thinking oh I wonder if someone's gonna say you can't copy my stuff and it surprised me yeah that everyone just you know embraced it and said how cute it was and everything and like and honestly I'm not sure there's that many rock ideas out there that haven't been out there before you know I think so many of the rock ideas have been done before no one knows where they originated yeah we all we all copy I mean yeah you can copy verbatim someone's colors and stuff just and that's a great way to learn how to do it and how to practice and everything and eventually you get your own kind of style or whatever um but yeah it it that is probably the number one surprise I found out that people are happy and I mean there's still a couple people that get a stick up you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you took their what they consider their idea, but I, I mean, just their fluff. Happen. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. Usually, everyone's thrilled to see that you also were inspired by something they put out, or yeah. Whatever. So, yeah, I think it's cool, and it's a great place to stretch your wings and try new things and just experiment. It feels very safe. Yeah. And so, um, like one of the things that I saw, and I don't remember if I saw this on Instagram or Pinterest, but I I still keep forgetting to post these pictures, but I, maybe I'll post it before this episode airs was I, I made the candy bars, like all these like candy bars because of Halloween inspiration. And I was like, yeah. And I don't know who po- who painted candy bars first, but I saw it somewhere and I was like, oh my God, that's so cute. And it's probably been done 150 times, but no one is getting mad. And like, I was the first person to paint a Snickers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because no one knows who was the first. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly. all been out there. It's all been done. I I can't believe how many rock painters there are in the world. Yeah. I mean, I follow some accounts from... Uh, every part of the world there's rock painters everywhere and there's just amateur rock painters just you know painting something cute and putting it out there there's people that do full-on like museum style painting on rocks I there's there's such a wide variety of everything out there 
And I would say a lot of people just do it for free just to give kindness. But there are some, like you said, where they do like crazy, amazing work and they charge and, you know, whatever. But a lot of people just do it just to spread joy. Yeah. And that's cool. Um, I didn't when I was traveling over the summer, I actually saw rocks in several areas and so, a lot of them I took pictures of. I I saw one even in my visit to Auschwitz, which I didn't take a picture of it because I was like, I don't know if this is wrong because I just gotten there and I was like, I didn't know if I was allowed to take pictures yet, you know, because some places. Yeah. It's, uh, That's kind of spot, yeah. And so I was like, but it was nice to see a uh, kindness rock in such a dark place that was so um I guess just such a dark feeling all around and such a heavy feeling Mm -hmm. and then to see this little rainbow rock sitting there in one of the windowsills of the of the prison you know I was like wow just the that the kindness even touched there Mm -hmm. it was very moving so it is is funny when you find rocks I mean and I'm a kindness rock person. And sometimes you're like, Shh, am I allowed to take this one? Did someone leave it here because it meant yeah. something to them and they want it here all the time? Or is it a, something that you're supposed to take with you? So yes, I think that's a lot how of I felt struggle with that. Yeah. I was like, Oh, am I supposed to take this or am I supposed to leave it here? Because, well, I left it there. I didn't even take a picture of it because I was a little, you know, skittish, but I, but I thought it was nice that such a dark corner of the world had just this rainbow of kindness that mm-hmm. it made me feel hopeful. Like there's, there's hope and love still spreading, even in the darkest places. Yeah. And that's probably exactly um, what left it there too. Yeah. And I kind of felt like it should stay there. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe other people need this message too. Um, and maybe, you know, out of a thousand people maybe only one will notice it and know what that means but it meant something to me and maybe it'll mean something to you know a few other people too yeah yeah not everyone knows about kindness rocks I hid I hid one at a park um where my husband and I were eating pie and so I was able to kind of keep my eye on it and this kid came up and looked at it and he and he goes rushing back to his mom's like mom mom this is one of those kindness rocks i've seen around and i'm like oh, oh cute so it was i mean people some people do know about kindness rocks and that you can take the rock and everything and some people don't know that you can take them i always put on the back that you can keep or rehide it so that they That's know a good they idea can. yeah yeah but um a lot of people think oh you know, someone has put that there as maybe a memorial to somebody, you know, so I know a lot of people yeah. take them, but we, we kind of rock people know you can take them. <laughs> yeah. Keep it. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I tell the neighbor kids too, cause I have a garden in my yard and um, I tell the neighbor kids when they come, if you want to take a few and hide them around the neighborhood or whatever, be my guest. And so they know they're able to do that as well. Oh, cute. Well, you're starting a whole new generation of kindness rock hiders and painters, probably. <laughs> yeah, usually when I go out there, I see, I do see quite a few new rocks every week. 
Um, and so this week I haven't been out there yet, but, um, yeah, usually I, I tend to see new rocks all the time and which is pretty fun. Yeah. And do you have to take yours in when it snows? I did last year, but this year, um, I was thinking, cause last year my husband shoveled a little patch to get to the library. So I was thinking of maybe leaving a few at the bottom of the library. Oh, okay. And then, but last year I brought them all in this year. Yeah. I might, I might leave a few at the bottom, but I don't know. It might get kind of hard with the library. Yeah, that's such a cute area you made. I love yeah, it. I appreciate it. No, it's been, it's been good for the neighborhood and good for the kids. I appreciate, um, being able to be a part of the project. So, well, I guess I have a couple more questions. Um, one of them you kind of already answered, but I'm going to ask you it anyways. It's just kind of rephrasing, I guess. Do you feel a connection to your parents while you're painting? When I'm painting the rocks for them, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of rocks that, I painted that are resting against some of their pictures, which is actually right behind me. Um, so that, you know, I associate this rock with my parents. Yeah. You know? So, um, um, but you know, for the, for the most part, now, as I'm painting, it's just more about creating and it's not always about my parents. Yeah. But that's the benefit of, time and insight and everything is like it every second doesn't revolve around the grief process anymore you've done a lot of healing I think so and I think talking about it actually is helpful for me I mean that's not everyone's way but talking about it has been helpful for me um my sister hates talking about it. it it she tears up anytime talking about my parents. And I think that's because she hasn't had someone maybe to talk about it with, to get mm-hmm. more comfortable with talking about it. You know, the more you talk about something, the less emotion it, it turns into. I don't know. It's hard to explain it. it I know. It, I know it, exactly. it detaches the emotion from it. Yeah. The more you talk about something, not that there's not emotion still there, but I don't have to, cry talking about everything i mean some things obviously because i think i teared up you know just in this podcast but um you know i've there's been a lot there's been a lot of healing a lot of insight a lot of growing similar like with my kidnapping they encouraged me to read out loud my 911 transcript oh wow oh and um repeatedly read it out loud and so I've read that thing probably 50 times. And in the beginning, I would have extreme anxiety. Mm-hmm. But then, um, you know, now I'm able most of the time to get through the whole thing and be okay. But I think it's the same thing with grief. Because um, the whole point is if you do it enough, it's not that you're numb to it. It's almost like you're more so accepting, I guess, in a way. And you're able to conquer, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah. 
I think it puts it in a different part of your brain, maybe. Yeah. The, the... Why, wiring it, like wiring your brain a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, um, like you said, you know, maybe somebody's they're not ready to talk about it. And it might be super hard to do that. But I do really think it helps just being verbal about what happened. And, and it's not that you're talking about it like, oh, feel sorry for me, this happened. Mm-hmm. No, it's 100% because it actually really helps with the process. And it will help you to be more more vocal and help other people too by talking about it and it's not a sympathy it's not you're not doing it just to seek attention or something like that you it genuinely helps yeah i i absolutely agree and i don't know that it helped that that's everyone's way of getting through it though yeah that, no. i know i know that was helpful for me and seems helpful for you i don't know that that is a blanket would help everybody. I don't know. Yeah. You know, everyone has to get through it the way they get through it. I mean, there's, you can't tell someone how to grieve. I'm definitely not a doctor, so I don't know either, but it worked. It definitely worked for me too. It just (laughs) makes you associate. It does. It's not associated with the, the trauma part of your brain. Yeah. Used to, you know, just saying something over and over or talking about it. It, 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 I think it really does put it into a different part of your brain. Yep. Yeah. I think that's a really, um, that's a great way of wording it. Like you're just putting it somewhere else. Yeah. And, Store and it in it, another file. <laughs> it also can depend on what kind of mood you're in that day. I yes. mean, you can probably read your transcript through fine on one day but if you're having an if you're already having some sort of emotional day or just feeling a little off you know maybe you can't get through it that day so I think it's just what your brain can do on any given day yeah exactly well I have a final question for you um you know it's really fun getting the perfect message at the perfect time um, what's a rock message that you, that you got that you needed, or I guess what's a rock message that you'd like to get? I, I guess I didn't say that before, but I'm, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I think a big one that has helped me, that has actually really helped me is it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. I think that really has changed me because I never really saw that before I started painting rocks. I never really saw that message before. Oh, funny. And and since I've been painting rocks, you know, I I come across it quite often. And I think in the last couple of years and granted the last couple of years have had life changing experiences, obviously not the same person I was, you know, before my parents died and, you know, but I, I think in the last couple of years, I've finally decided that, it's okay not to be okay. But some days I'm just not okay. And I shouldn't have to ignore that or demean that in any way that I should be able to say, I'm just having a day where I don't feel okay. And, and be able to accept that and not have to hide it. Mm. So I, I think I've come to be more 
introspective in my own mental health just through painting through painting kindness rocks because a lot of them are about mental health and and positive messages and things like that and so i think I, i'm a lot more introspective as to what those things mean to me but yeah it's okay not to be okay i love that message <laughs> you know hopefully it's not every day hopefully it's hopefully one, it's not every day yeah that you just have a bad day and that's okay yeah so yeah maybe that maybe that's or maybe just a season, maybe just the season of, man, this thinks, and I know I'm going to crawl my way out of it, but you know, yeah. right now I'm, I'm in a funk. That's me in the whole holiday season. So. Yeah. And that's totally fine, but you know, you'll get out of it and you know, yeah. you'll, you know, you'll be okay. Yeah, that's it. I mean, when I do kind of, you know, feel like I'm circling the drain, it's like, okay, I know this is, I know this is not forever. I know that my, my brain will reset and I'll get back to who I am. Yeah. So, um, so I think that's why it's okay not to be okay because you know, it isn't forever. Yeah. Well, it has been a huge pleasure chatting with you. Well, and thank you. No, seriously. I honestly, I was like really happy to um, approach this topic and with someone who has um experience, experience. <laughs> experience. yeah yeah because it's not an easy topic to cover so I really appreciate your time and um your courage to come on heck just the courage to come on a podcast <laughs> grief or not yes. <laughs> that, that took a lot <laughs> pat yourself on the back (laughs) (laughs) no thank you so much well it has been an honor it's always an honor to uh talk with you yeah you too Mm -hmm.